Welcome to episode 24 of Take Your Points. I'm your host, Ronan Scott. This week's show, we're talking about the Anthem Championship from 2010. The old cliche is, you've got to lose one to win one, but Lockheed had lost six in a row, and they didn't even get to the final in 2009. But things are going to change for them in 2010. 2010 started, I suppose, like every other year in Lockheed, with the expectation of hopefully winning a championship. Um, I think it's important to realise where the club was coming from at the time and the panel of players, where Lockheed hadn't won a championship for 21 years. A group of players hadn't got beaten in six out of the last seven finals. We hadn't got to the final in 2009. We threw away the face final against Deloitte in 2009. So confidence was pretty much on the floor. 2010 started uh, much the same as every other season around Lockheed. The expectations there to win a championship, you know, and as soon as the bright evenings turn around, everybody's right, hurling, 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 you know, we're going to win the championship this year and whatnot, you know, so. In our heads, you know, we always knew we weren't far away from a championship, but it was all about getting over that line, and I suppose everybody talked about it, people around the parish talked about the monkey in the back, and I suppose that was the mental blockade that we all had as players, and, you know, as far as we were aware, that, that year it was all about getting over that hurdle, and that's what we, you know, that's what we had at the forefront of our, of our minds. Let's be honest, there there wasn't a great year prior to that. Getting beaten in the semi final against Cushion Dahl, but prior to that, I mean, the the team had ultimately got to six finals in a row, um, which was a feat in itself, and albeit disappointment those years. But I mean, we had beat every team in Antrim within the, those championships, so. I mean, there wasn't a great deal to be done to get this team over the line, and probably as years went on, it was more of a, a psychological aspect than a, a physical side of things or the, or the skill side of things. So maybe looking back, that's maybe where the slight change and, and turning point come in, and the fact that Jim and and the guys around, especially those older sort of mentors, were were able to to delve into that and, and maybe get the best out of players. That's often it came the big day, you know, doubt it some of their, their basic instincts that they had within their body, you know, and, and their abilities. And PJ Mullen then came in with a change of management. He came with a real strong team around him and the players pretty much wanted for nothing. Um, most notably, I suppose, he'd got Jim Nelson and Joe McGurk involved. And what they gave the panel and the players, the individuals, just the, the confidence, the discipline and the belief that they could go on and achieve what they wanted to achieve. And I suppose that brought about a buzz which any new management would bring about. Um, people, players who were in periphery of the team now believe that they had the opportunity of getting on the team. Players that were on the team probably thought, I need to be proving myself here. So everybody had a new a clean slate and it brought about that buzz with it. Um, I suppose the, the biggest thing um, at the start of that year was the addition of Jim Nelson to the, the management team. Um, Jim, you know, whenever he walks into the room, everybody listens, there's that kind of aura around him. Um, it can't really be highlighted enough how big of an impact he had on us as players and as a team, um, probably unbeknown to us at that time. But for the years uh, which would come later, 
Jim was a massive, massive figure within all that success. Short into that new year, we, we knew that the setup was was really good. I mean, obviously, it's it's uh, well known that um, Jim Nelson, God rest him, was was involved with the with the panel for that year and a, a few years after. And, and I think it's it's widely known and regarded that Jim was one of the, the sort of standout coaches and managers of his generation. So PJ had a certainly had a, a coup when he, he brought Jim into the setup and. And that worked really well. I mean, and, and Jim ultimately got the best out of, of the players. It brought, you know, new ideas and a whole new freshness to it as well, you know. So it was, things was, you know, going well at trainings at the start of the year, you know. And as I say, one thing I remember PJ coming to me and, and asking me, like, uh, my brother Joey quit maybe the year the year previous or maybe two years previous, you know. And uh, he asked me, sort of, would he be interested and would he come back, you know. And... I just, I said, look, I'll ask him and see what he says. Like, you know, when I went and I spoke to him and uh, I sort of said to him and I says, look, you know, uh, I, I think things is different this year. I said, there's something, there's something different, you know. I says, it might be worth a, it might be worth a go, like, you know. But as I say, he never listened to me anyway, so <laughs> his loss, I suppose. People would pinpoint the fact that, I mean, a new management set up, um, PJ and Jim and all the rest of the guys been involved was was a major turning point in in the club's history, um, and that's not taken away from any of the, the management teams prior to that. I mean, every one of them brought something to to the table uh, when they were involved with Luckill, um, and I mean the, the PJ and, and the guys were no different to that. I mean, it's 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 really hard to recall just the, the numerous points within the year, but I think um, the the way the group of players bought into what the, the, the new management were saying and doing. I mean, certainly it was probably a turning point in itself and, and that level of freshness that, that came into um, the team with that change in management probably helped to to turn things slightly. At training, you know, new ideas at training, working on things at training and then talking them out at training and then bringing them into games at the weekend and then I say coming back on the Tuesday night and training talk about them again and then we try and you know throw up sort of pros and cons and things like that there and you know that's one thing about the, the management they always were one feedback you know and it was a two-way street sort of thing so like turning points I think definitely that season was our training. Looking back now the biggest thing was probably our change in discipline there would have been a culture within uh, I suppose not just our club but in Antrim um, where the losing team or the team that was maybe uh, getting it tight would have blamed the referee along with the fans I suppose and there was that kind of culture within the game and um, we wanted to get rid of that and I suppose it was Jim and the management Joe and PJ brought that in um, where we, we forgot about the referee and we concentrated on our own game and uh, that brought along less yellow cars yet less uh, freeze been moved forward for dissent uh, less red cards, which would have been an issue maybe for uh, a few of our players. I um, don't think about any sending off that year, maybe one, which could have been uh, argued, I suppose. Um, but again, discipline was massive. We were playing Ballycran in a league game, and we were getting tore apart, to be honest. Um, we went into the change room at half time, and one of the selectors was starting to 
to our stripes office, which we fully deserve, to be honest. Um, and as Jim came in, he put a stop to it, told him it wouldn't be happening. These fellas were winners, were going to be winners. And I suppose that was kind of the first time we heard and genuinely thought this guy believes in us. Another turning point would have been the emphasis on maybe the hand pass, running game, support play, uh, which was brought in. You know, at the time, we didn't really realise we were doing it. But speaking to the management uh, about that year, you know, the first stat they would have been looking for at that time would have been how many hand passes to be having a game. And I know things have changed now where most teams in the county or Ulster would be looking to retain possession rather than slap it down the field, um, which is, I suppose, part of the modern game. Um, we would have looked at the hand pass as a way of, if we were hand passing, out hand passing the other team, we were doing well, and generally that brought along uh, the win, along with your blocking and your hooking, uh, which was a measure of your, your work rate. So those three things combined would have been the first three stats that the management would have been looking for. And normally if we were winning those three stats, we were winning the game. For me, another notable step for the team that year was the trip to Kilkenny, where we played James Stevens. You know, James Stevens had Jackie Terrell and Larkin playing, grace of the game. And we went out, it was a real tough game from start to finish. Um, the lead changed several times. And I think the game ended up in a draw. But uh, I think it showed to us we can hold with the best if we put our minds to it, if we keep our discipline, which the management had been preaching all year. And I think that gave us the confidence again to take another step and think to ourselves, the Sunderland Championship, this is real doable if we can pull this kind of performance together. The Championship itself then, I suppose, we drew St Gauls in the first round, a team that we were expect it to beat. Thankfully we did. Comfortable enough. Uh, we came out of the game with no major injuries, no red cards. Brought us on to the semi-final against Deloy, current champions. Deloy's lucky that's, uh, you know, form goes out the window. It's just, it's a, it's a battle, you know, it's a, it's, you know, form, it's just everybody, doesn't matter what the league says, and it's two neighbouring parishes going at it. Uh, the semi-final was down in Ballycastle, and I think the the first we played with the breeze in the first half, and it was, it was quite a strong breeze, you know. And uh, I think you know we went in at half time, maybe six, six, seven points up. I'm not too sure now. And uh, you know, when everybody thinks when you have a breeze, you, you need a big, a big lead, you know, at half time. So we knew getting in at half time, it was going to be a another dogfight for 30 minutes, you know, and that's what it turned out. It was never free-flowing, it was never the best game in the world. It wasn't really high-scoring, a lot of, of frees given to both teams, you know, by the referees. So, as I say, that was just just a lucky Illinois match, you know. Probably second half, we, we had a, you know, a defend as a, as a team and, and resolute their defence really held strong that day um, and had to, you know, so... It was um, a confidence builder, especially for the backs. I mean, you know, confidence can come and go very quickly in, in, a, in a back line and um, building that level of confidence that we got that day from Ballycastle probably stood to us when we entered into a final against a, a seasoned Christian Doll team. The massive thing about that game was we didn't, I suppose, bottle it. We didn't uh, give away the lead that we had got. Um, 
So that going forward probably gave us the belief that number one, we could see out the win. Uh, number two, we had the mental capacity to not bottle it, not be overwhelmed by the situation. And we had it within ourselves to go and win a game, win a, win a big game where the pressure was on. So going into the final against Cushendall, that was massive in itself. The final itself then, um, I remember feeling for some reason less pressured going into it, nearly a sense of excitedness, probably through the work the management had done on us throughout the year. Um, the game itself started off, it was real fast pace to the game, the intensity levels, the hooks, the blocks. Probably as intense a game I've been involved in up until then. Uh, we got off to a real good start. I think we scored 1-4 to a point in the first 15 minutes. Um, Eddie McCluskey getting the goal and, and things look good. Um, but I suppose Cushendall being Cushendall, they always come back. It was against Cushendall, so yet again, dogfight. You know, Cushendall, they're always there, thereabouts, come championship final, they're a hard team to beat. You know, and like winning any Antrim championship is hard. You know, it's it's, it's a dogfight getting out of Antrim. So, I say Cushendall, they put it up to us. As a forward playing and uh, against Cushendall, obviously, like any any time you play Cushendall or Dunloy, they, they make it really congested for the forwards. You're you're normally playing against an extra man. They know how to work the ball around you. you they're physical. They're determined. They're They've got that that about them where just everything's just difficult. There's no room to run into different things. But I thought we held our own. I remember from my own personal point of view, uh, scoring obviously the, the first score for us, which is a goal. Uh, Liam laid it off to me, lovely, put it on a plate to me. Uh, couldn't really miss, I went for par and luckily went in. Uh, I remember scoring the point after that then. Probably from my own point of view, I knew the importance of getting a good getting into the game early. Um, after having maybe a poor game, and uh, against the Noy, I knew that if we could get in early, uh, get a couple of scores on the board, work my way into it, that would be obviously what I'd be wanting to do, and hopefully it'd help the team. It was a a real, you know, battle more of attrition. Um, I mean. We knew each other, you know, really inside out. Um, ourselves, Cushendall, Dunloy. I mean, we had played each other and were there thereabouts. You know, most finals. So, I mean, you knew, you knew probably teams. You, you thought you knew strength and weaknesses of teams. And but when it came to, to to the final day that day, I mean, I mean tactics and whatnot really they go out the window to a certain degree. I mean, it comes down to the will to win and the hunger and desire to win. Um, you know, having. Um, they touched on it before, having tasted so many defeats um, within finals. It was one of those ones where, when you you maybe went down, uh, you know, did you have the resolve to and you know the strength of mind to, to come back and um, really go at it. So look, I suppose I mean that that day was no different to many of the finals we've been involved in, where you know th there wasn't much in it, and and it was the case that day too. Score wasn't wasn't big. What was it? One nine to eleven. Uh, I remember the defenders having an absolute massive game. Uh, Dan Gallen in particular, Johnny Campbell, Martin Scullion all having monster games. 
come out with so so many balls. Um, great great deliveries in. Uh, I remember Liam McKillop and a great game in midfield. They're always going to have their period, and I think Declan Laverty going off with the hand injury probably helped as well. It seemed to change the momentum of the game, and Cushion Dog came back into it. Um, although we were a couple of points up at half time, they went two points up halfway through the second half, and you suppose you're starting to think, is, is this going to happen again? Are we going to get over the line? Um, but again, I suppose it was a, a defender's game that day, just the intensity of it all, it was low scoring. Both defences were on top and, and scoring chances were few and far between. Um, I remember Liam Watson being impeccable from freeze that day, as he usually is. Um, Barney McCauley getting a massive score. Two of them uh, were turning points that brought us back into the game after not scoring for 19 minutes from uh, the end of the first half and the start of the second half. So it was it was going to be a tough battle right to the finish. I remember in the second half we were we were struggling to win win ball up in our half forward midfield from the puck out, you know. And I seen this Wolves Martin Scullion was a great outlet always, and he was out my left side next the stand side in Casement Park. And I hit him this puck out, oh, nice, in his hand. It put up the field and the fall forward line. I think we maybe got a free off and got a score. It, just to relieve the pressure of, of the backs, you know. So, yeah, again, getting into the last three, two, three minutes anyway, uh, we're still we're struggling. I say we were a point up at this stage and it was it was hard. The ball wasn't sticking at all. So Martin done his usual thing. He run out the wing out there. And I spied him, struck the ball, going straight to his hand. So we'll say anyway, and uh, Paddy McGill came in and, and, and dispossessed it. He stood down in front of Martin, he got it, touched, and he struck it. And as soon as he hit the ball, as a goalkeeper, I knew it was going wide. Paddy maybe knew himself once it went off the stick, it, it was going wide. But you talk about one relieved man. Hey, if, if that went over the bar, I'd say my days hurling for lucky were probably over. Like So, as I say, it was one of them things, once it left the stick, I knew it was going wide. It went over to my right-hand side and wide. And, I was very happy with that now, let's just say. We did go down in the second half, a point or two, and you know, again, that, that was a, a test of, you know, our mental abilities and mental strength. Um, I mean, and I mean, there were some massive, massive displays that day from, uh, you know, a lot of the teams, both teams, I mean, but in particular, I mean, our team, I mean, we had, we had winners all over the field that day and, and guys really stood up to the plate. And um, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a real, Tasty, tight affair, intense, and I mean, even from a spectator point of view, I mean, you could you could cut the tension with a knife. Then after the half, we kind of cushioned all, kind of kicked on. But the biggest thing, and during that final, probably as opposed to other finals, was we weathered weathered the storm. We didn't uh, fold like we normally maybe did. We weathered it, and then on top of that, we fought back. We chipped back. So years prior, we would have lost. Probably our focus, that mental monkey in the back would have uh, made us fold. Um, whereas this year we didn't. Now looking back at the game, the game could have went either way. I think it was Declan Laverty who came by on, got the hand patched up, lifted a ball and had took a player or two on and got nabbed and got a, won a foul. 
again it was wasn't an easy one, it was 60-70 yards out the pitch. But uh, no better man to stand over it than Liam Watson. Liam Watson never missed a ball that day from, from place balls and I mean massive performances from, from Didi, Ding, Scully, you know, Johnny right the whole way out, you know. Um I believe Ronan McCluskey come on at half time, you know, really, really young and new into it and I mean had a real massive performance in the second half and look everybody in that field and even the guys that come on played a massive part in it and even the guys that didn't come on that day I mean they, they pushed the players that were on that day to, to really push on and, and, and get over the line and the finish of the game we'd clawed our way back as I say our discipline was real good we had won a couple of frees Albeit hard frees, like Liam scored one from the 70 yard line, he scored another free that he had won himself. Um, 21 yard line over at the sideline, uh, I think to level the game. It was a massive score. Um, and then the game that went from end to end where both teams had chances. Uh, I think Joey Scullion had won, Barney maybe had won. Um, and then at the other side of the field, we gifted them a couple of chances um, through stray passes coming out of our defence. Thankfully, they missed both. Game was still in the melting pot. I mean, it was just that that raw emotion when the final whistle went. Um, to know that after so long and so so many years of trying to get over the line, that you eventually did. You know, it was totally unbelievable. The joy. I remember the final whistle. There was five or six of us had grabbed each other. Was just stand screaming into the air. Probably didn't know what to do. Um, that quickly turned into maybe. Five or six hundred more, probably maybe double that on the pitch, and the scenes were unbelievable. It was just a sea of red out onto the pitch, um, and the emotion that everyone was going through, who everyone had knew where the team had came from and, and the heartache they had been through, and I think the whole parish felt that. To be honest, people ask me what probably my best day in a lucky jersey was. Um, I mean, and and that probably is the best day. I mean. Winning All Ireland was absolutely monumental with the club, but I mean, having went so long and been involved in all the the finals, um, I mean, to eventually get over the line after trying and putting in so much effort over the years probably was the the best day that I had in, in a lucky jersey. I was lucky enough to be captain that day, and uh, a couple of officials got hold of me and was taking me up up the stairs, but just in the way to the stand, I remember. Following in with people from your family, people from your work, your parish, everything that they knew that you had came through, and the emotion that was on view that day was was unbelievable and will never go out of my mind. Um, just the, the joy on people's faces, people with tears in their eyes, just unbelievable emotions. But as I say, the win was just fantastic for the whole club. As I say, we've done so much work over the years, as I say, and we went to all them finals and you see every other team, you know, you're coming off beat or that there and you see them out taking photos and celebrating and, and all that there and you just sort of wish, is it ever, am I ever going to get it, you know? And just to finally, when that whistle goes and, and, and you win it, you know, it's it's great. And then you say all, all, all the sort of, your parish comes running on the field, you know, and it, it's great and... As I say, you, you go back home to Lockheed and have a great party. And the win was massive. Um, in, ter in terms of what it meant at that time, number one, and in terms of what it would lead on to.
Um, the importance of the win, obviously, to the parish. It had been 21 years since we last won a championship, and for Lockheel, the parish of Lockheel, the club like Lockheel, uh, that's far, far too long of a time. Uh, the tradition which we have within this club, uh, and within Antrim Hurling and Ulster Hurling, and indeed all Ireland Hurling, uh, club Hurling, is massive, and for us to be out of the fold uh, for that length of time was a disaster and that's how important the win was. We 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 I suppose we got the monkey off the back, we got ourselves back into the winning mentality, the winning culture, uh, and as I say, we led on to great, great things. The mental block was gone. I suppose the most important thing it gave to the players and the management was the confidence to hopefully finally fulfil their potential and, and realise where they could maybe end up in the coming years. It, it was huge for even our underage structure, you know, through them them sort of 2010, right through to 14 and that there, we had, we had great success and our underage structure then really, really grew, you know. So, as I say, that's where it started with that championship. The importance of that win probably, um, you know, just it set that group of players and that, that panel of players on its course for the next number of years. Um, now people sometimes ask the question, you know, if we'd have got that win sooner, maybe with this group of players we could have done and got so much more. I mean, I, I probably would go against that to a certain degree. I mean, I think tasting the defeat and everything that went with it from the, I mean, maybe the the comments made and the, the, the pressures added to it probably made the, the, the panel and the group of players stronger. One of the the big, big things I believe uh, was instrumental to the glory years we had then, which led on from that championship win, was the hurt, the pain, the suffering that those lads went through. Uh, your your Dan Gallons, your Dee Dee Quinns, your Johnny Campbells, the, the boys that were involved, the Liam Watsons, the boys that were involved in all the finals, final defeats. I myself was involved in three of those um, in, in a capacity. A lot of the lads that come onto the team weren't involved in any way. But, you know, those lads that come back year after year, uh, time after time, defeat after defeat. And I mean, ultimately, when they did taste success from that, um, and, and they knew what defeat tasted like, they, they just wanted more and more of that success. And I probably that drove us on to, to get, you know, the next three or four years of success that we did. Um, I mean, it was ultimately massive for the, the community club itself. I mean, having went so long without winning a championship for the the size of the, the club that Lockheed Shamrocks are. I mean, we're one of the biggest clubs in Ireland. Um, I mean, and and it never should have been the case that you know we went so long without it. We did, and that was no fault of anybody's other than the fact that we just didn't go over the line on certain occasions. I mean, so to get over the line in two thousand ten, it um, it was massively important and and, and pushed that group of players and to a place where you know they now knew they could go over the line and win matches um and i mean they probably once they get out of Antrim, you know and, and out of that sort of um fear of a final um and, and tasting defeat in it that the expression just come out of the players and i mean i think that was widely seen and evident in the, in the years to follow that year i mean we played some of the best hurling. I mean, that I I've seen in club hurling. You know, involved, um, and that's no disrespect to any. I mean, there, there's 
it's great teams have, have come and gone and, and, and luckily certainly you know from that area era we're we're right up there with 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 all of them you know um uh, we, we traveled the length of ireland and played great teams and and, and give everyone up in the fellow of it and, and beat many of them along the way including some county teams so i mean it, it really it pushed that group of players on it also pushed the the club on and and allowed those young guys coming through underage to to see victory for the first time at senior level in a championship for a long long time and give them the belief give the people in the community the belief and i mean it, it really pushed the the club on for a number of years and i mean it still continues to do that i mean we, we still have a, a massive group of players coming through quite capable of of doing great things within in the club um and are doing great things within the club I mean, it's, it's, there's never really much of a, a puck of a ball between, you know, the clubs and under at the minute. And luckily, it's still there and thereabouts. Luckily, they would go on to have incredible success in the years afterwards. They won four titles in a row, 2010 to 2013, and they won under again in 2016. But perhaps the highlight of that period was the 2012 All-Ireland victory. Their story shows that even a run of defeats can end in glory, as long as you've got the right attitude and the right people involved. Thanks for watching this week. My name's Ronan Scott. Please subscribe to Gaelic Life at www.gaeliclife.com. Thanks.